You're listening to the Packernet Podcast Network. going on everybody welcome back to the it's always draft season podcast part of the packernet podcast network jake javink here with you guys on this lovely friday and boy it really is a lovely friday now packer fans probably most of you not pleased with the result last night giants lose to the niners niners move to three and oh that's understandable but boy do we have a great show for you and that should brighten up the friday we're going to go through a lot in this episode. We're going to start with maybe airing out some grievances with the Packers through a couple weeks. I'm sure that the talk will get even more ramped up if the Packers do fall to 1-2 and two against the Saints. We'll see if that happens. Obviously now two games in a five-day stretch. So there'll be a lot to talk about from those angles. But obviously we're going to be talking a lot of draft angles. And with this show, we're going to talk about, like we said, a few positions, of course, for 2024 already. Dive into some prospects for sure. And I also want to look at the week that will be exceptional in the college football side of things. It is chock full of excellent matchups with prospects that I think as Packer fans, as draft fans... Are worth keeping an eye on if you know you sit down there like like a sicko on on saturdays and watch for maybe 14 to 15 hours i'll be doing that this saturday even before trekking up to lambo for for packer saints so i'll be still doing that there'll be a lot to talk about a lot of probably highlights and clips shared all all saturday so if you want to follow me at jake nfl draft on twitter i will have plenty of that stuff uh going on saturday We'll get to that, but let's let's air out the grievances first here. Uh, it just seems like through two weeks, when you look at the weaknesses on the Packers roster, it seems very clear. I think Josh Myers at center is it definitely isn't the biggest problem on the offensive line, I don't think. I think there's still those flashes of those quicks in the run game, and we know he's a good pass protector that, that you see that and you go, okay, you know, it's working and then there's some, you know, bad single reps here and there where you just really lose your mind and the frustration grows and you want him replaced. And and that's fair. I think it's it's now very clear though that, that Bakhtiari just can't stay healthy. It's not working. Uh we'll see. it sounds like he's not playing on Sunday, which leaves Rashid Walker, who good swing tackle, has made improvements is looking more like, you know, he shouldn't have been a seventh round pick, which I think most people and the consensus were in on that as well. More of the fourth, fifth round than than seventh. Some people had him even higher than that though. So kudos to you if you did. But I do think tackles going to probably be addressed in the draft. There are just so many tackles right now in this class to to look at and cover. We we've gone through a lot of them if you've been following the show. But if you haven't, obviously Olufashanu from Penn State is the headliner right now with the ridiculously good technique, great hands, good recovery skills, mirror skills. The anchor's really good. In pass pro, he's a savant. He's technically sound. He can do the job at a very high level. Uh, just giving up, I think he's given up just one pressure so far this season for Penn State, they are playing Iowa this coming week, so that is something to watch. I think it's one pressure and 82 opportunities to this point. He's just not a people mover in the run game, and that's where I think if you're concerned about the run game and you notice the splits in the grades between pretty much every Packers lineman there is, no matter if they're a good pass protector or a great pass protector or a poor pass protector, doesn't matter. The run blocking, there are serious splits there. And I think part of that has to change a little bit. And, and that's kind of what we're going to look at a few guys today who, who might be able to change that just a bit. I, I think when you talk about 
other tackle prospects. Joe Alt comes up a ton. I mean, he is he's really spectacular. Uh well rounded, right? We we've talked a lot about him as well, where he kind of loses slowly as as a pass protector. There's some times where the balance is a concern, the play strength is a little bit of a concern as a pass protector, but he's a great run blocker, right? Just the, the quicks, the technique, the ability to seal front side, back side. He can do it all as a run blocker. The the grades are elite. PFF clearly believes in the pedigree as a player to this point. I think most analysts would agree as well. So, you know, Joe Alt's going to be in probably a lot of mock drafts for the Packers, as is J.C. Latham from Bama, who has that dangerous split, of course. However, I one thing about J.C. Latham, though, he's a big, big cat, 6'6", 335. He's big, right? Not, not that Alt isn't big and, and Fashanu isn't big either, but you, you think about, you know, Latham at 335 versus, you know, 310, 315 that you see in a lot of other tackle prospects at this point. You know, I think Fashanu is maybe 323, Alt's like 317. Now, Marius Mims would be more in the camp of, of J.C. Latham. Really quick on Marius Mims, he did uh, get hurt recently uh, in the South Carolina game. I believe it's an ankle injury. He's going to have, I believe, tightrope surgery, which Tua had uh, in one of his seasons at Alabama. So it'll take some time. Amarius Mims should be back, though. So he'll he'll still be on watch for sure to this point. Though I haven't seen a whole lot from him. I'm going to be diving into the film very soon on Mims just to kind of get a clear picture of what we've seen with more reps. But we know about the physical toolbox and obviously the size at 6'7", 330, and just how much functional athleticism there there truly is to work with with a player like Mims. Latham's the same way. Excellent kick slide, right? He, he can give up the inside move, but he's got strong hands, strong anchor, and can be a bully in the run game as long as he's playing within himself. So he's still an option, and it would maybe be a little bit outside the norm to go so big, but it might be worth it, of course. So there's a chance of that. Right, Mims is, is 21 in, I believe, October. And I think Fashanu is 21 in December. So young players, you know, with plenty of upside, Packers would take, you know, take a chance on those players for sure. You got Graham Barton from Duke, who I think will be 22 in June of next year. So it's somebody to watch for. I think he... Struggles a little bit. It seems like the arm length isn't supreme where it maybe causes him to lose some reps a little bit, but I do think he's got the quicks and the functional mirroring ability that is required in pass protection. Latham just needs to be better in the run game, and I think he, he really feels like potentially a pick that you know was there in the summer and could be hovering around Green Bay all throughout the draft process. So something to very much, you know, you, you have to keep your eyes on that the whole way because he's going to be talked about a ton Patrick Paul from Houston we know about the length we know about the size he's also pretty big but he's a little bit on the slimmer side of 310 but he's 6'7 with obscenely long arms word on the street is everything's looking a lot cleaner with the footwork and technique this season I haven't seen it firsthand yet but I'm excited to dive into that when when the time comes and when I have something there I, I do think you know, Kingsley Suomataya from, from BYU has interesting traits. I didn't love what I saw on film, but we'll we'll see what happens um, when BYU starts to get more games. They're playing Kansas this week. They're in the Big 12. They're going to be under more spotlight now. We'll see what we get out of, out of Kingsley at, at, at tackle this season. There's a lot of names we threw at you there. Still, Delmar Glaze from Maryland is somebody who's not brought up a ton so far, and I do think that, you know, we talked a lot about his teammate uh, for a while in the draft. So I think it's time that he he definitely gets some love. He's a tremendous pass blocker. He's given up, I think, just one pressure this season in 2022. He's uh, He gave up 18 in 524 opportunities. Year before in 2021 and 270 opportunities, he's given up just four pressures. 
He's played left and right tackle. Uh, mostly right tackle, I'd say, you know, what's the percentage? Looking for the number, just trying to go off the top of my head. It's probably in the high 80s, mid-80s percentile-wise that he's played right tackle. But it looks like left tackle's on the docket this season. All snaps have been there for Maryland to this point. Pass blocking grade is an 85 at this point. He's given up one pressure and 108 opportunities. Run blocking at a 60.4. So maybe on those splits that maybe you don't want as a tackle position. But we'll see. The, the one player who I think you know could fit sort of everything. And no, it's not Zach Zinter from Michigan. Even though he is truly an architect of destruction on that Michigan line. And, and I really like what I've seen. I think he has the the power and the base to be a dominant run blocker. He's just still on the side of, oh, I've, I'm just a better pass blocker to this point. But, I, again, he's another one who's just technically sound. Everything he does, his run blocking grade against Bowling Green was pretty high, 79.3. So you see it, it's not bad, the run blocking, at least from PFF side. But it's, it's in the 70s. Pass blocking is a little bit higher. Just gave up nine pressures last year and 389 opportunities. So Zach's Inter at guard, I think makes a lot of sense. He has only played right guard, I believe, in his career. Yes, he has one snap at left tackle. That was from 2022. But other than that, 2,011 snaps at right guard. If John Runyon's on the way out, Zinter feels like a great upgrade at 6'6", 322 to plug in and play. Now, the the real, I think, two guys to monitor on the offensive line that doesn't include center to this point are these guys. So I want to talk about Cooper Beebe to start with from, from Kansas State, listed as a tackle, and we'll, we'll get to why that is very quickly. But he has really great grades right now. Uh, he is playing... I believe he's playing right tackle, but he's also now played left guard this season. He did that against Missouri. So, you know, he he's still flopping, you know, flip-flopping back and forth. So to put in perspective in his career to this point, he has played 763 snaps at left tackle. The majority of that coming in 2021. Gave up just 10 pressures and 348 opportunities. He has played 1,121 snaps at left guard, the majority of that coming in 2022. Uh, He has played no snaps at center, but he's played 25 at right guard. That was in 2021. And he has played right tackle for 476 snaps, 373 of those in 2020, 103 of those in 2023. Obviously, he has four snaps at left tackle this year and 93 at left guard. So he's still he's he's hopping all over the place. If you look at the last three seasons, including 2023 for Cooper Beebe, the pass blocking grade has not gone under an 87.2. The run blocking grade has not gone under a 77.2, and he is moving around everywhere. He's given up just 33 pressures in his career. The last three seasons, that number is 22. Of boy, that's a lot of opportunities. I'm going to try and do the math for you guys really quickly. Uh, 770, so 883 opportunities, just 22 pressures the last three seasons. Quick maths. I I am thrilled with what I see. Technique, football IQ, awareness, power, quicks. He can play so many different positions. This is the prospect, people. We're going to be talking about him, I think, the entire time because of how position flexible he is. And if you're going to ask him to play tackle in emergency, he can. If you're going to ask him to be the guard, he can do that. He's basically Elton Jenkins without the center snaps. That's what it is. And if you want another one of those players, I feel like BB can do that. If we were to go at a kind of a game-by-game basis, right, his grade at left guard this past week against Missouri, it was in the 70s uh, for both run blocking and pass blocking. So if you go back to 2022, just to go through some kind of games, even though you know the numbers look really good, he did have definitely games where he struggled as a run blocker. Pass blocking, the lowest he had was a 60 against Baylor last season. 
That was at left guard, of course. But he had a 90.6 run blocking grade in that Baylor game. If you remember, right, Siaki Ika was at Baylor. So run game, he's handling the potentially nose tackle there. He graded in the 70s in the Bama game in the bowl game. So the grades are solid. I'm going to go even further back. Just check the left tackle grades. Again, it's stunning colors against Baylor. Was his lowest pass blocking grade. That's interesting. Back-to-back years. But he had, looks like, one, two. In the hobby, it's not easy being a fan of ripping packs or repacks. We get all hyped up thinking we're going to get some high-value Jordan Love card, but with zero transparency on available cards and hit rates, it's all just a shot in the dark. Until now, introducing Slab Packs from ArenaClub.com, the only repack that provides real value, a complete view on all possible cards, and clear hit rates for each one. Now when I buy Slab Packs on Arena Club, it finally feels like I know what I'm getting. And honestly, the best thing for me and my son is the fact that we're kind of novices into this. When I walk into a card shop with my son, and a card says it costs $40, kind of just taking his word for it that that's a good value. So I appreciate the transparency on grading, as well as just getting excited about seeing what you could potentially get. Right now, you can get 10% off your first purchase by going to arenaclub.com slash packdaddy. Wow, that's crazy offer. 10% off a $400 slab pack. That's 40 bucks right there. Anyways, that's arenaclub.com slash packdaddy for 10% off your first purchase. We all have smartphones, and we all know they're pretty amazing, but they also can be amazingly distracting, especially when we're around other people. So U.S. Cellular wants us to reset our relationship with our phones by putting down our phones for five. That's right, a company that sells phones wants us to put down our phones. And to see what we find, learn more at uscellular.com forward slash built for us. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. 1, 2, 3, 4, 5, 6, 7, 8, 9, 10 of 13 games. It's above an 80 in terms of pass blocking. Uh, it looks like 1, 2, 3, 4, 5, 6 of, 6 of 14, I guess. Sorry. 11 of 14. We're above 80 as a pass blocker. 7 of 14. Did I say 7? 6 of 14. We're above a 70 as a run blocker at left tackle. So there's that. And in 2020... You know, the grades weren't very good. I had some flashes as a pass blocker. His worst grade was against Oklahoma State. His worst pass blocking, he had two in the 30s against Baylor, but one of those was a left guard, and the other was against Arkansas State, which was the opening game, assuming he hadn't played right tackle before that. So, again, it's it's like it's, you know, getting your bearings over there. So, But BB's been tremendously consistent it's carrying over the season. He's playing on the right side. He's playing on the left side. I am so excited to see him thrive wherever in the NFL. And, you know, if you don't want to listen to any of the stuff in the second half of this show, that's totally fine about the matchups. Just listen to this one. Kansas State's playing Central Florida at 7 p.m., Central Time on FS1 if you have FS1 and you want to tune in and watch Cooper Beebe play. Whether it be at left guard, right tackle, left tackle, right guard, doesn't matter. Just watch him play and, and you and you may be thrilled with what you see. I'm sure there are games out there on YouTube you can get if you are if you have access to the film stuff and you pay for that. I'm sure you have access there as well. So there you go. I, I think... You give Cooper Beebe a look because I do think he is just shaping up to be the guy. And it's interesting that I kind of wrote this on my Substack last August, so 13 months ago now, wrote that Cooper Beebe could be a Packers pick in the first round of the 2023 NFL draft. Maybe it could be 2024, folks. It's it's entirely possible. 
So I want to get to one more on the offensive line that doesn't include center, and that is Tanner Bortolini. 6'4", 310, offensive lineman from Wisconsin. So many people might be familiar with him to this point. Um, so the reason I said not including center really meant centers only. That's my bad. I forgot. Yes, he has played center and he is doing so right now for Wisconsin. So it's a perfect segue, really. You're going from Cooper BB to, to, to Bortolini. And then the last guy we'll talk about at the end of, of the kind of offensive line portion, we'll get to some safeties and we have a running back that we really are going to talk about before we go to break. But at Wisconsin, in 2021, okay, well, I'll go through all the snaps right now. So Tanner Bortolini has no snaps at left tackle. He does have 469 at left guard. The majority of those were in 2022, 411. At center, he's got 399 snaps, so closing in on 400 there. 209 of that 399 is this season for the Badgers running the show on the offensive line at center 179 snaps at right guard 163 of those last season so yes he played left guard center and right guard last season and he's got 229 as a right tackle and that was in 2021 all of those so he's played from left guard to right tackle no left tackle snaps but if the Packers double dip they get a guy like Fashanu or Alt or Latham or Mims. Here's maybe your other position flexible guy who can play a lot of spots and has done so. Now, 2021, the run blocking grade was elite. 89.5, 89.5. Don't know why I said half, but I mean, it works, but it's weird to say it like that. But he had a 54.7 grade as a pass blocker. Offensive as a whole, 87. The grade as a whole has gone down over the last two seasons, but I think it's interesting. You go to that grade now. As a run blocker, right tackle was the majority of those snaps. He did have some at both guard spots. Very limited, but he did play there. Pass blocking's gotten better. Run blocking's gotten worse. Just in terms of grading on the PFF scale. Not necessarily on film. But he had a 78 pass blocking grade in 2022, 82 pass blocking grade in 2023 thus far. The run blocking grade has dropped down to a 61. There are a lot of responsibilities as a center. He's only had 74 snaps uh, in the last two seasons at center. That was last season. I believe he has he had 116 in 2020. Grades were not good at all. But you've seen him steadily get better as a pass blocker. We just need to figure out what the run blocking situation is. It was in the 70s in 2022 at 74. And that's when he played all three interior spots. So what's the difference this season? I don't know. The grades were not good against Buffalo and Washington State. Georgia Southern, it's fine. Pass blocking's been tremendous. He's allowed three pressures and 117 opportunities to this point. So he's been very, very good. And I think with, with him... You know, you're going to get a lot of great matchups to watch him. I'm going to cover it in the second portion, second half of this show. Wisconsin at Purdue, Friday night, 6 p.m. Central, 7 Eastern on FS1. Wisconsin at Purdue, watch Portolini play center. See if you like him. You're not going to get input on whether they draft him or not, but see if you like him. You know, everybody's got to have somebody to go to bat for during draft time want to bring up Drake Nugent center from Michigan just in case the center position is one that the Packers potentially look at in the draft and we're getting ahead of ourselves of course but this is what I do okay he transferred from Stanford to Michigan he's allowed one pressure and 71 opportunities thus far he's at an 80 plus overall grade the last two seasons pass blocking grade has gone from a 77.2 to an 80.5 this season run blocking went from an has gone from an 84 to a 77.9 so the numbers are good across the board and he's the guy who's running the show Olu Oluwatimi goes to the draft is on Seattle's roster now Nugent comes in to be the guy 
Michigan offense is looking good. Blake Corum's playing well. Edwards is fine. They've got enough time for McCarthy. Drake Nugent is obviously a big part of that. Him and Zinter are big time on the interior right now. So Drake Nugent, another guy. Michigan's playing Rutgers this week. Rutgers is 3-0. They're not necessarily pushovers, but if you're no, you're in that early slate, noon Eastern, 9 Pacific, you want to watch Michigan on Big Ten Network, maybe take a look at Zinter and Nugent. They're not going to be covered in the second half of the show just because it's not a, not a big-time matchup necessarily, but guys you could look at. Now, for the safeties, I, I don't think there's a lot that that to say other than I think there's one guy we'll talk about a little bit later, but to this point, Tyler Newbin and Rod Moore. Rod Moore hasn't, I don't believe Rod Moore has played this season yet now. Uh, that's something where you'd have to look and see. He hadn't played before last weekend. He still hasn't played. No. Grades are really good. He feels like a guy who's always in his spot, has plenty of functional athleticism, great tackler, can play on the roof, can drive on the ball, can make plays on the ball, good ball skills. He's got. I think he's got it all, and he's probably being undervalued because he hasn't played yet this season. Tyler Newbin has played this season. Tyler Newbin is playing excellent ball. Okay, PFF. PFF didn't like his game against Eastern Michigan. Liked what he saw against North Carolina. Coverage grade was a 75. Tackling looks like it's, uh, man, sometimes with PFF's thing. 84, it cuts off the last row for me sometimes, and it may just be because it's, on the other monitor, I'm not sure. But he he is sort of, you know, playing free safety, 118 snaps thus far this season. But he is playing in the box, 46 snaps, three on the defensive line, quote-unquote, and 13 in the slot. So he's moving around. Last season, the overall grade was in 76. So far, it's in 83. Tackling has stayed about the same. Pass rush has stayed about the same. Coverage has taken a big leap. Run defense has taken a big drop. Just something to note. But he does have two picks this season already. Had four last season. Had three the season before. He's a ball hawk. He has great eyes. He drives on the ball and he makes freaking plays. He's a good tackler. This is a guy to go to bat for. Minnesota's playing Northwestern this week. I am going to be looking at Newbin against North Carolina. I have that film. And I'm excited to see how it went for for Newbin. But he seems to be always in the right place as well. Him and Rod Moore look like just two rock solid, come in, do the job, do it at a really high level, do it consistently, and be very solid NFL starters for a long time. Cam Kitchens is the ball hawk for Miami. Hopefully he gets healthy again. A little bit of a scare, went to the hospital after the Texas A&M game. So we hope he can get back and healthy. But he hopefully that's... Health is important before getting back on the field, but we're always interested to see how he performs when he comes back. He was a ball hawk. He, he has a great range, but he was he was looking better as a tackler. He was getting more snaps in the box, defending the run, so that's encouraging. Now, Cole Bishop for Utah, he does a lot of different things. He had 345 snaps in the box, 101 at free safety, 208 in the slot, and 24 as a corner in 2022. That's something to monitor. We'll get to him as well in a little bit. So those are the few of the safeties to look at. But now I want to talk about this before we go to break. The running back pairing for Jones. I know the the sentiment around A.J. Dillon right now is not great. I understand that. So I'm going to plan for the future a little bit here. We took a look at a lot of guys, and this is the other thing. Packers normally take guys, good athletic scores, whatever their own um, scale is for that. Doesn't have to be six foot, but normally needs to be at least 5'10". We need to see over 200 pounds. So we got a guy for that. That is Audric Estime from Notre Dame is the highest graded rusher this year per PFF excellent 
in 2022, Audric Estime, 156 carries, 906 yards, 11 touchdowns. Respectable, 5.8 yards per tote. Uh, does have more more experience with gap runs than zone runs, but it's put pretty split. This season, it's 39 gap to 23 zone to this point. So, you know, something to monitor there. He did have a 29% uh, percent breakaway run percentage last season and a 97 elusive rating, 3.64 yards after contact per attempt. 54 first downs, caught nine passes for 135 yards. In 2023 to this point, and I know they haven't played a lot of a lot of big-time teams yet, but he's got 8.4 yards per tote this season, carried it 62 times for 521 yards and five touchdowns. The breakaway run percentage this year already for Estime, 49.3%. It's a big number. His elusive rating is 176 right now. That is higher than Bijan Robinson, Robinson's last year. He's caught 5 for 55, has more yards per route run this season, and has 22 first downs already. So, you know, give or take around 40% of what he had last year. 40%, we are 33% of the way through the season. A little bit ahead of schedule in that department. And, and the breakaway run percentage, you know, taking a big leap like that, that's really encouraging. Now, from the film perspective, right, he is, I want to say, now I'm, I don't want to get this. Uh, wrong but he is 5'11 227 so that's what we have for size uh the grades have gotten better every game he's played to this point that's really encouraging this season he does have 4.73 yards after contact per attempt that has jumped as well his game against navy just 95 yards on the ground 6.3 yards per tote He's gone over 115 the last three. NC State's not a pushover team. They're they're a fine team in the ACC. Carried it 14 times for 134 and two touchdowns. Excellent. So what does the film show? Boy, I think the film's been quite good so far this season. I'll be real honest with you. I really like what I see. Because he's big, he, he can run through contact, but he has such quick feet for 227. And, you know, when you talk about guys like Raheem Sanders at Arkansas, who hopefully is going to be back this week, we'll see. But Estime, he's so patient when he runs. He's always, you know, gaining ground, you know, shuffling the feet, waiting for that moment where it's going to give him the opportunity to get through a gap and break away from the defense, which he can do. He's got burst. He's got impressive speed. Impressive acceleration, and like I said already, impressive quicks in the short area to shrug off, you know, contact, make defenders miss altogether. The contact balance is good. He's lowering his pads at contact. Everything looks pretty impressive from what I see, and he can bounce out runs if he needs to, but I think the vision's really strong. Right, gap runs, it's a lot easier to follow your blocks, and you maybe have to make one adjustment. Zone, there's, there's several adjustments you can make, and he's doing so at a high level. He looks so natural catching the football. And like I said, he is tough to catch when he gets into open space. That was very evident, and it has been this season. So right now you're looking at 5'11", 227. Guy who can tote the rock, catch the ball, great vision. He needs to work. I actually don't know if he's done a lot of pass blocking so far this season. He does have 10, looks like, reps as a pass blocker. The pass blocking grade is a 49.3. However, he did just have one rep against Navy and was graded as a 6.8. That's not good. The rest have been good so far. NC State was encouraging. We like that. But again, when you can break away at 227, you can make guys miss at 227. You can run through contact. You've got good patience. You've got good vision. The feet are always moving. He's always gaining ground. He's not getting stuck behind the line when he is staying patient. Everything tells me to this point that Audric Estime should enter the draft okay this is his third season 
and he might be, you know, potentially a top five runner in the class, but he should be a day two pick. Maybe the early fourth is where people will have him by the time he enters, potentially, and, and you might see him rise throughout the process when the athletic testing comes out. You know, the media will jump their grades, but it's possible NFL teams will have a third on him. He'll go on day two. This is exactly the spot that the Packers, you know, start thinking about throwing darts at the running back position. You know, Lacey and Dylan were second-round picks. They'll start looking there. Audric Estime and Aaron Jones in 2024 sounds like an exceptional duo to me. Numbers are good. Film is good. I think it would be an exceptional pick to pair with him. It's early. I get it. But I'm going to throw that out there as the pairing. I want you to remember Audric Estime. I want you to remember Cooper Beebe and Tanner Bortolini. You know, remember them now. And in April, we'll revisit. We'll take a short break here, and we'll be right back with previewing week four of college football from a draft perspective. All right, guys, back here on It's Always Draft Season. We've got one heck of a weekend of college football. Saturday is absolutely loaded. There's going to be so much that we'll probably miss just because, you know, when when talking about prospects we're not always going to go from a Packers perspective there are two things I want to bring up quickly um, before we start uh, because technically this is one of the two things remember Friday watch Bortolini play center for Wisconsin and then the other thing is I know nose tackle is something Packers fans probably a little bit worried about Slayton got a little pushed around in the Atlanta game we're monitoring the situation Cameron Jackson from Florida, 6'6", 371. Jim Nagy has talked about him as a senior bowl candidate. He's somebody we're going to keep an, op, an, an eye out for. Sorry for the stutter. They're playing Charlotte, I believe, this week. Not as much interested in that. When SEC play really gets underway for Florida, we'll have definite eyes on Jackson, especially when he's probably going to go against Cedric Van Pran in the Florida-Georgia game. So that'll be something to watch. But the other name I want to bring up quickly is McKinley Jackson from Texas A&M. He's only, he's only got two pressures this season, but he's 6'2", 325, run defense grade of an 81 to this point. I'm excited to see what he has in the bag. His tackling grade was not good against Miami, but there's so much hype around this guy, and, and I, I'm, I'm really dying to see more. Uh, last season, he graded in the 70s. Uh, his best game as a pass rusher was against Auburn. He only played in eight games, but that's encouraging when your best game comes against you know an SEC opponent. His tackling grades were really solid other than against Florida, so he's somebody we're watching as well. Texas A&M doesn't really play anybody this week either, if I remember correctly. I don't have the uh, team on the top of my head as I'm trying to scroll through to look cool and hopefully remember who it is. Heck, they might be off. They are off? I don't see them. Yeah, they might be off. I'm not going to keep... Oh, no, they're playing Auburn. Oh, they're playing Auburn. McKinley Jackson, watch him. 11, uh, 12 noon Eastern, 11 a.m. Central Time. Watch him against Auburn if, if you know that suits your fancy. Let's get to the games here now as we get rolling. Florida State at Clemson. Whew, what a game this could be. Clemson playing the role of spoiler now. Number four, Florida State looking to make a playoff for the first time since the first college football playoff when Jameis Winston faced off against Marcus Mariota. Yes, it was that long ago. A lot to watch in this game. Obviously, the Florida State offense. Right, You have Jordan Travis, who I really do think embodies the spirit of the gamer. At quarterback, that does include somebody like Gardner Minshew who plays like that. I think it I think it can apply to Brock Purdy as well. He's not overly dynamic as a runner, but he gets the job done when he needs to scramble. He can play with some poise. He needs to not force a lot of things and play hero ball. He gets he can put the ball into risky situations. But I like the ball placement. I like the accuracy. 
Overall, the decision making solid, and he can he can be the gamer and move around a little bit. He's fun to watch. Keon Coleman's the real deal. He's only caught twelve for one seventy and four touchdowns to this point. Had the big opening week against LSU. Showed off all the impressive traits in all three phases of the game, playing the receiver position. Really excited to see how he does now. After two pretty quiet weeks, caught nothing last week on just three targets against Boston College. The game got out of hand. I don't imagine this one does. I think Clemson's going to give Florida State their best punch of the year. So, Trey Benson carried it 33 times for 164 this season for touchdowns. 56% breakaway run percentage, 225 elusive rating in 2022. Hasn't quite looked the part this season, but he's another big back who the Packers could definitely pair with Aaron Jones. He's somebody you have to be monitoring every week. Powerful runner, breakaway runs with burst. He, he's, he's definitely got that skill set as well that would really complement Aaron Jones, so he's one to watch in this game. Jared Verse, obviously, is somebody we're always talking about. Eight pressures and no sacks this season. Very interesting. Seems to be somebody who's cooling off late in games now after really strong starts. Just a 72.8 pass rush grade to this point. A little surprising, but this is exactly the game where Verse can get right back on track and show you why he is a no-doubt first-round selection. Ruke Ororo. Yeah, Ororo. I looked it up. I've tried to say it. I think it's pretty close. 6'4", 295 from Clemson. Defensive lineman. Four pressures in just three games. Grades are all right. He's more of the pass rushing three-tech type, so Packer fans probably not as interested in him. I get it. But he's somebody who could wreak havoc up front. Uh, Will Shipley. He seems to be more of the electric north-south runner. Definitely in the in the similar vein of, of Travis Etienne. It seems very similar. He has an 81 rush grade, 3.28 yards after contact per attempt in his career. Very excited to see uh, what Shipley can do in this game. Can he be the difference maker? He's a little bit more of a home run hitter at running back with a little bit less moves in terms of elusiveness and space. But once he gets a lane, he can take it to the house. Andrew Mukuba has transitioned really from free safety the last two seasons into the slot. The grades haven't been great. It's a different responsibility. I'm interested to see how he handles that responsibility in a big-time game here against Florida State because we just haven't seen that real breakout game yet as a slot defender. So a lot of guys in that one, that game is at noon Eastern, 11 a.m. Central time. Now we move to the the 3.30 Eastern, 2.30 Central time slate. Oregon, Colorado could be fireworks the whole time. I know Travis Hunter won't be in this game. That stinks. But Shadur Sanders has played very well. He he played well his last two seasons, Jackson State. However, many people are wondering what's the jump going to look like. Well, 85.8 adjusted completion percentage. 85.8%. That's a That's high. 1,250 yards, 10 touchdowns, one pick, seven big-time throws, three turnover-worthy plays, 9.1 yards per attempt, deep passing grade of 95.7. Six of the seven big-time throws have been deep down the field, 20-plus yards. Has a grade of 77 under pressure. Two big-time throws, three turnover-worthy plays, 66.7 adjusted completion percentage. When blitzed, his adjusted completion percentage actually goes up a Almost a percentile to 67.6. Three big-time throws. No turnover-worthy plays when blitzed. Interesting numbers there. I really like Sanders. I think they're giving him a lot of easy looks, and the offense is creative. That's really good. They're stressing things horizontally a little bit, which is nice. He throws a really good deep ball, though. And I will say, he's on target, like, all the time. doesn't matter if it's 35 yards down the field. doesn't matter if it's a quick pass. The ball's on target. It's giving receivers a chance to make plays after the catch. It's giving them the advantageous situation at the catch point. It's all of those things. He's got great touch. He he can throw the rainbow ball down the field into a bucket. He can rip throws on the backside of plays, backside digs, backside, uh, backside hook routes. He finds guys. He can scramble. He's poised. 
He can make plays outside the pocket. His creation capabilities are very, very good. Shadur Sanders has really risen to the point where QB3 is still an open competition. He can snag it. You play well in a game like this on the road in Eugene where expectations are growing for sure for a 3-0 Colorado team, but you know, you're playing without Hunter in this game. He marched down the field, had a big time drive to to really to force overtime against Colorado State. They obviously won in double OT. Can we do it again? Can this train keep rolling? Be very interested to see that. Bo Nix, obviously quarterback of Oregon. The change of scenery has really helped him grow into a legitimate quarterback prospect. He's some people's QB3, QB4, QB5. He's often in that top five. He's thrown for 839 yards this season, eight touchdowns, no picks, three big-time throws, no turnover-worthy plays, 86.2 adjusted completion percentage, 8.8 yards per attempt, 91.2 grade throwing deep, three big-time throws deep, 80% adjusted completion percentage under pressure, has a big-time throw when blitzed, no turnover-worthy plays to this point. So it's going to be a heavyweight QB fight with Bo Nix and Shadur Sanders. Bo Nix throws a really nice deep ball. He needs to work on the changeup in the intermediate area for sure. But overall, he he has looked so much better, so much more comfortable, so much more poised, working through reads in the pocket. You know, I think Shadur Sanders has better decision-making than Nix does. I do think Sanders is a little bit more on target as a passer. It'd be interesting. Two guys who can create on their own, two guys who can work within structure. I'm really excited to see this matchup a ton. Brandon Dorless, a little bit more of an undersized tweener. Think Colby Wooden for sure in terms of size. He interests me in this game for sure. Can he create pressure from multiple alignments in this game? Don't know if Alton McCaskill, the fourth, is going to play for Colorado. Transferred over from Houston. Had 961 yards and 16 touchdowns as a running back at Houston in 2021. Tore his ACL in 2022. Now here with Colorado. Will he play? If he does, he's definitely worth a look. Last but not least, Troy Franklin's caught 17 passes for 292 yards, three touchdowns. He's a deep threat. Great hands, great tracking ability, great leaping ability at the catch point. The route running continues to improve. He's got the really the burst. He's got that acceleration, so that has worked into the route running in the form of route tempo. I don't think there's anything that that Franklin can't run in terms of routes. I'm really excited to watch him work with Knicks, really put them under the microscope in this game. So a lot of names to watch for there in that one. UCLA Utah has a little bit has has fewer names, but still plenty of intrigue. Uh, Liatu Latu already this season is is dominating. 16 pressures, four sacks. Obviously had 65 pressures and 12 sacks in 2022. Right now is a 92.4 pass rush grade, a 74.1 run defense grade. Health has been the big question with him. Otherwise, a phenomenal technician as a pass rusher. He's very coordinated. He's very he's very deliberate in, in how he attacks. He's got a lot of moves in the cupboard, and it's clearly paid off so far this season. Can he do it against you know top competition in the Pac-12? He proved it last season. Let's prove it again. Let's continue to stay healthy. Really excited to watch him. We mentioned Cole Bishop, the alignment versatile safety, who does really well as a blitzer, can create pressure. Uh, so far this season has 67 snaps at free safety, 54 in the box, 17 in the slot. Had a huge interception against Baylor. That really that really helped seal the win. That was fun to see. Uh, can he continue to play with good range and good instincts in zone on the back end of the defense? Very much like to see that in this game. Carson Steele, running back, transferred over from Ball State. He's 6'1", 225. Had 5.3 yards per attempt, 1,528 yards and 14 touchdowns last season at Ball State. Has carried it 30 times for 243 and two scores. Very excited to see him. I haven't really put him under the microscope yet in terms of film, but another bigger back, Packers fans, 6'1", 225. Potential pairing with Aaron Jones. I would at least take a look at him in this game. 
J. Michael Sturdivant is a taller, longer, more wiry receiver in the same vein as Troy Franklin. Franklin's a little bit slimmer. I think Franklin might be sub 180. I think he's like 6'3", 178. Sturdivant's a little bit bigger than that. What I will say about Sturdivant is I didn't love the Cal tape, so he, I, I, you know, I, I was coming in a little more excited, a little more expectations because he was number five on Dane Brugler's initial receiver board. I haven't quite seen it yet, so I can't wait to see it in this one. He's caught nine passes for 219 and two touchdowns this season. Moving right along here as we need to get through the rest of these matchups to keep the show maybe under an hour. Uh, Mississippi against Alabama. To this point, the duo at Bama, pass rushers, Dallas Turner and Chris Braswell. Turner has 16 pressures, three sacks. Braswell has 13 pressures, three sacks. This duo needs to get after the QB. I really like Braswell as a prospect. I think he's being underrated to this point. Dallas Turner obviously has incredible explosion, flexibility, bend. And I think the length and enough functional strength, even at his size, to kind of work as an outside linebacker, get after the quarterback, maybe even defend the run. Sometimes he doesn't always have to drop into coverage in five-man fronts, but he obviously has the athleticism to do so. Let's see him take over a game. Will Anderson has taken over games. Turner really hasn't taken over games, especially this season to this point. These two need to come up big if Bama's going to avoid starting a season 2-2, two and two, which is very rare um, for, for an Alabama team. J.C. Latham, obviously in this one, he's allowed just 12 pressures and 486 opportunities in 2022. Sorry, he has now just allowed 497 opportunities in 2023. Again, would really like to see him dominate in the run game. I think he can do that at a high level. He's got the power and the frame to do so. Let's just see that technique kind of work its way into the run game like it has in what he does with the kick slide, with sets as a pass protector. Just want to see it. Just want to keep seeing it. Stack some games up as a run blocker. Let's see it. Malachi Moore, I think, is one of the very interesting surprises of the season. Uh, he's really pretty much taking over as the Brian Branch role, star slot, star slot box, limited free safety snap guy this season. He's got one pick, two passes broken up. I believe he had a pair of forced fumbles against Texas. I don't know if he was credited with those, but could have been, um, put it this way, if they weren't forced fumbles, it was jarring the ball loose. He's creating opportunities in the way in the best way he can. The run defense and coverage grades are leaping right now with him. They've always been kind of around average. But I, I really think Malachi Moore is taking the right steps. He he looks like he is coming to his own this season. We were hoping for big things because he did a lot as a freshman. There were splash plays. But I think now as he's gotten to be a senior, he stayed the extra year, we're seeing consistency build, and that's a really good thing. If the Packers want to have a better nickel, for 2024, Malachi Moore should be one of those guys on the list. Jackson Dart for Mississippi, quarterback. There's some quarterback entry here, 852 yards, seven touchdowns, one pick to this point, 76.6 adjusted completion percentage, and 12.3. That's a whopping number yards per attempt. Don't forget about Ashim Young, transferred from Iowa State to Mississippi. Really lays the boom as, a, as an enforcer at safety. So somebody to watch for in this one for sure. LSU Arkansas doesn't have a lot in terms of that, you know, in terms of a Packer type of thing. Raheem Sanders is questionable in this game. He's only carried it 15 times this season. That was in the opening game for 42 yards and two touchdowns. Very Jamal Williams like, especially for somebody who generates big plays at a pretty good clip. Definitely did so last season. Obviously a, a really big back. Uh, in the 230s, 240s, I think he's 237 listed. I just want to, I, I want to see him play in this one, the first real test of the year. Can you show me that that you know that that power, that speed, as a running back that he really showed last season? The running grades were really good last season. I expect to bounce back at some point. Maybe it's this week if he plays. Uh, Bo Limmer. Another interior guy to watch for Packers fans from Arkansas. Center and right guard snaps. Mostly right guard uh, before 2022. He's done. He's manning the thing at center in 2023. 
uh, 22 pressures the last two seasons, not including this one, and just two pressures allowed so far this season. He is somebody on the move up. Watch him, especially because he's going to be playing against guys like Mason Smith and Makai Wingo. Pass rushers, alignment, versatile players who can get after the quarterback. Can Limmer handle things on the interior against guys like that? We will see. Major Burns at safety for LSU. Somebody to definitely just monitor the situation on him. Watch him play. Obviously, Malik Neighbors is coming off an otherworldly performance this past week against Mississippi State. Really excited to see if he can build on that. Uh, again, I love the traits with Neighbors. Uh, what did he have last week? He caught he caught 13 passes for 239 yards, two touchdowns, averaging 18.4 yards per reception last week. Tremendous game. He's got great acceleration skills. Can work on the vertical plane. He, he won with multiple stutter goes last week. Attacks the ball in the air. Tracks it really well over the shoulder. Can make late adjustments in the route. And he's obviously got the acceleration and, and run after catch ability. That's all there. Just would love to see, I think, the route tree get a little better. Uh, but overall, I... I Neighbors is definitely still in the wide receiver two conversation. There's a lot of guys fighting for that spot right now. Neighbors is still obviously in contention for that. We move on. Oregon State, Washington State, the last of the Pac-12s, at least past this season. No idea what they're going to do, but DJ Uyangalale has played pretty well to this point. So another QB prospect to you know keep an eye on to this point. Uh, obviously both teams are ranked in this one. This is a, this is a big time matchup, uh, for Packers fans. It's really just two guys. Uh, and then the third guy we'll kind of talk about just for a second, but Joshua gray is somebody I'm, I really want to get eyes on, um, by the way, just so we're making sure that we don't mess with you guys too much, uh, times Bama and Mississippi are playing at the three 30 window, the, the early afternoon window or the later afternoon window, depending on where you are in the time zones. Anyway, uh, LSU and Arkansas is a six, is a 7 p.m. Eastern, 6 p.m. Central game. Same with Washington State, Oregon State, LSU, Arkansas on ESPN, Washington State, Oregon State on Fox. Just so we make sure you guys uh, have that. So Joshua Gray, the left tackle for, for Oregon State, five seasons now. Uh, 57 pressures allowed the last three seasons, three this season. PFF grades him much better as a run blocker interesting for a left tackle so just something to monitor what's what's the issue as a pass blocker what are we seeing that's causing these problems is it a lack of length is it you know just not quick feet does he not have good mirror skills is he a two-hand puncher does he not work you know with his hands independently can he not recover an anchor is he too light what's the issue will washington state present that issue i'm not sure but it's something to watch for now Jaden Hicks at safety, man. Jeez, the numbers are off the charts right now through a few games. 91.3 grade on defense. Run defense grade is a 91.3 as well. Tackling is a 90 flat. Coverage grade is a 90.1. He's, he's, he's just gone absolutely nuclear to start the season. Two pressures, one sack, seven stops, one pick, four passes broken up. And he's playing everywhere. 62 snaps in the box, 68 at free safety. 27 in the slot he's everywhere he's making plays he's moving up to safety class and you know if he can continue to put performances out like that and the numbers grow we're looking at a guy who can blitz we're looking at a guy who can you know dominate as a run defender in the box he can roam he can be the robber he can drop in a single high he can be in a shell play top down like it just seems like he's he's got the skill set for all of it so watch him play. Watch him play. Obviously, Cam Ward is in this game. Right quarterback for Washington State. Transfer from Incarnate Word. Where is he in the quarterback class? It's hard to tell at this point. He's got good creation capabilities. But I think overall, you know, I think someone who still has to refine some technique. I do think there is good arm elasticity, good velocity on the ball. I think it's just you know got to clean up the footwork got to work out rhythmic passing within structure and i think ward you know can still take that leap i think he's still got some time so 
But again, he's worth checking out in that game if you're going to watch it to watch Gray and Hicks at left tackle and safety. So there you go. The big headliner, 7.30 p.m. Eastern, 6.30 Central, Ohio State at Notre Dame. Heavyweight fight in this one. It's going to be all about Joe Alt, who's elite pretty much everywhere. No pressures allowed in four games. Uh, Blake Fisher is as he allowed 17 pressures and five sacks in 2022. So he is not as as on the tier that, that Joe Alt is on right now. They're facing JT2 and Malowau. 90.8 pass rushing grade to this point, nine pressures. And Jack Sawyer, who has eight pressures, seven of which were against Western Kentucky last week, has a 91.9 pass rush grade. Boy, it's as, it's as good a heavyweight fight as there is. Alt, can he handle the power of Tui Maloau? We'll find out. Tui Maloau's got great counters. He's got great power. Explosion to power is there. He can bull rush. Can he improve as a tackler? That's the biggest thing with, with Tui Maloau. Alt, can he sustain and lose even slower than he does already in pass protection? Can he stay balanced? Can he continue to counter and maintain leverage? That's going to be big with him. When they run the ball, is he going to open a lot of holes for Audric Estime? Estime, obviously, in this game, should be watching him for sure. Already talked about him as potentially the perfect pairing with Aaron Jones. Is Tui Maloa going to operate more against Fisher? Create that matchup. I don't know. But both guys are playing well. Can Alt be that dude to keep Sam Hartman upright all game long? Can Fisher step up? It's going to be a heck of a matchup in the trenches. Tommy Eichenberg at 6-39. Feels like the traditional linebacker. Feels like another Jack Campbell type where it's just going to work a lot better in the in the friendly confines of the box and the run game. Michael Hall Jr., defensive tack from from Ohio State, has five pressures and a sack this season. He's definitely worth taking a look at. Donovan Jackson, guard from Ohio State, an 80.1 run blocking grade in 2022 with 13 pressures allowed. And now in 2023, his pass blocking grade is a 79. He's three pressures allowed in 102 opportunities. So things have kind of flipped the script. He'll be interesting to watch. I, I didn't quite like him that much over the summer compared to a few others like BB and like Zinter. Will he impress me in this one against Notre Dame? I'm very excited to find out. Travion Henderson looks back to normal. 6.4 yards per attempt. Breakaway run percentage of 46.6. He looks like that guy again with the burst, with the vision, the breakaway acceleration, the ability to drop your pads at contact and create in space he's doing it all henderson would be a heck of a pairing with jones as well uh so again another back to just keep an eye on right that that's that's what it is obviously marvin harrison jr and amika ibuka harrison 14 for 304 and three so far this season ibuka has 12 for 167 and three comma court at quarterback is draft eligible do with that what you will uh Harrison and Ibuka draw Cam Hart. One of them will at least in coverage. Cam Hart's grades have not been very good, but he's somebody who's been on the draft radar for a while. Okay, guys, last game uh, before we call here. Iowa and Penn State. Packer fans get the eyes on Cooper DeGene. The grades haven't been as exceptional as they were the previous season, but he's still playing corner. 173 snaps so far this season at corner. Penn State's got a lot of electric playmakers at receiver. It's a good time to find out if DeGene has what it takes to handle the receivers on the outside. He's played 15 snaps in the slot. Maybe he moves over to the box a little bit. We'll see. Can he handle somebody like Theo Johnson, perhaps, at tight end, who, you know, a lot of people say better prospect than Brenton Strange, who did go in the second round of the Jaguars. In terms of the trenches battle. Now, Kalen King is somebody definitely watching this game, the corner from Penn State. He'll probably be the guy who's in the hip pocket, giving himself great opportunities to make plays at the catch point and converting when necessary. He could turn Iowa's formula against itself for sure. So he's definitely somebody that, that you need to keep an eye on because, again, a corner, that's, that's within the realm of possibilities for the Packers next spring in the draft.
right, Jay, you're not playing that great. Stokes is uncertainty. I know Valentine's a very nice player. It's a great to get value in the seventh round, but you got to think about more depth there. They've built the depth on the, at, at, at least on the defensive line, pass rush wise. If they're going to defend the pass and be committed to this, got to look at secondary guys. That's that you know that counts with King. That's with McKinstry, who I didn't even mention for the Bama game, but it's with guys like DeGene, especially Moore, Newbin, right, Jaden Hicks, corners and safeties. Pay attention to who's rising and 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 watch them play. In this game. Obviously, Fashano's just allowed one pressure on 82 opportunities. We mentioned that already. Connor Colby got some uh, looks in the first round of mocks in the summer. The guard from Iowa, extremely good run blocker, poor pass protector. He has played right guard. He has played left guard. He has played right tackle. So another guy with positional flexibility to take a look at, see what he's got in the toolbox in terms of traits. The big matchup, if they allow it to happen, right, you never necessarily get guys lined up on everybody 100 percent of the time chop robinson has seven pressures this year mason richmond draft eligible left tackle for iowa has the major leap potential he has a 90.3 pass blocking grade in 2023 it's possible we're talking about this guy a lot more down the stretch for iowa protecting Cade mcnamara unfortunately luke lachey got injured at tight end he was a guy who was ascending i think as well potentially into this tight end class as somebody who could really kind of break the ceiling and potentially you know be that second guy after brock bowers is going to miss the season i imagine that means he is going back in 2024 that stinks but you know we'll we'll keep an eye on the tight end class for sure going forward but uh, that's really going to do it for the preview show i know there was a lot of names a lot of stats thrown at you but there's a lot of great games or a lot of great prospects in them. So you got to check it out. You know, you can always go back through these. They're pretty much in order in terms of start times. So that'll be nice uh, if you're like, oh, who'd I miss in the early games? You know, okay, here are the two games that he mentioned early. Actually, I only think I mentioned one, but I did kind of mention McKinley Jackson against uh, Auburn. So there you go there. Uh, Tyler Guyton, tackle Oklahoma. That's an early game against Cincinnati maybe worth watching but uh yeah there you go full preview audric estimated the packers of course cooper bb to the packers all that fun stuff hope you guys enjoyed the show obviously you know follow me at jake and draft you want some clips of prospects all saturday long i'll be doing that but yeah stay tuned to the network a lot of great stuff coming obviously on the feed go pack go on sunday against the saints we'll have a quick turnaround i'm sure there'll be plenty of content uh from the the crew leading into Thursday's Detroit game. So there's a lot of football. It's awesome to be back. It's awesome to be doing the draft stuff in college football. Can't wait to keep doing with you guys. Hopefully we'll have a Monday pod kind of recapping maybe what I saw. This is more the first Saturday really that I can sit down and sort of watch everybody and get a lot of notes. So hopefully you get a kind of a recap on Monday. Maybe we'll talk some rookie performances as well in the NFL. Until then, though, enjoy your Friday. I will catch you guys. Uh, very soon and I'm, I'm sure various pods throughout the season. Take it easy guys. Enjoy your Friday.